that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible question, how would Jesus vote? How would Jesus vote? It seems that there are going to be two, only two choices, two candidates in this uh, election. One, Hillary Clinton, or the Hilda Beast, uh, a woman that should have been placed in prison long ago. And the other is Donald Trump, a self-made billionaire, somewhat of a celebrity. But my question is, which one would Jesus vote for? Now, when we think about Jesus Christ, he was all about government. In fact, he came with a message about the soon coming kingdom of God that was going to be established at his return on this earth. That was his message. In fact, Isaiah 9 and verse 7 says this. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. In other words, once Christ returns and establishes that government of God on this earth, the increase, it will expand out beyond just planet earth into beyond just the Milky Way galaxy. It will expand into other worlds. In fact, it never quits expanding. Of the increase of his government, and peace, there shall be no end. That's a fascinating uh, statement there, a fascinating verse in Isaiah. Now, <clears throat> Pilate asked Jesus a specific question. And the question was this, are you a king? And Jesus' answer was this, to this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world. Notice this. This is the reason I was born. Are you a king? This is the reason I was born. And for, and, and for this cause came I into the world. Now, what do kings do? Well, they rule. They govern. King, sort of like a president. They're over, you know, in, in fact, in this case, Christ will be over the whole world. But in, with this presidential election, we're just talking about the president or the king, if you will, over the United States. But that's what kings do. They rule. They govern. So if Jesus was all about government, which one would he choose? Donald Trump, Hillary, Bernie Sanders? Which one of those would represent Christ's ideals? Now, I'm really just sort of kidding around here as I ask this stupid question. You know, the answer is none of them would. None of them represent Christ's ideals. But anyway, now Christ's government that is coming to this earth at his return and man's government are opposites. They are like black and white, day and night. You have man's government that we have right now, and then you're going to have Christ's government that's going to be established on this earth, the kingdom of God at his return, you can't even really compare. There's nothing to compare them to because they are so different. Now, 
over 4,000 years ago, we rejected God's government. We rejected his theocracy on this earth. Now, up until that point, Israel had done a pretty good job of being self-governing. They did have judges back then, but judges were maybe like a Supreme Court. They were, when, when situations were too hard for the people, they would come to the judges with a particular, you know, complicated situation, and, and the judges would decide, okay, this is the right thing to do, this is, you know, this is what you should do. That was the purpose of the judges. But up until this point, they had been pretty much self-governing. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Yeah, every man didn't do what was wrong in his own eyes, every man did what was right in his own eyes. So they were self-governing. But they came to a point where they were sick of governing themselves. And they said, we want a king. We want, to be a, we want a king like the other nations around us. We want the king to do for us what we should be doing for ourselves, is basically what they said. Now let's pick up the story here in 1 Samuel 8 and verse 6. <clears throat> it says, but the thing displeased Samuel, that is when they asked for a king, when they said, give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said, this is 1 Samuel 8 and verse 7, the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in, in, in all that they say unto you, for they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Now, in a sense, this asking for a king was a rejection of God. Now, how was that? How? How, how was that so? Well, you see, when we, when we refuse to be self-governing, in a sense, that is rejecting God. When we refuse to govern ourselves and do the right thing, that is a rejection of God. Adam and Eve refused to have the self-governing discipline to do the right thing. They chose poorly. They, chose, they made the wrong decision. And because of that, in a sense, they both rejected God. Now, when you refuse to govern yourself and do the right thing, what normally happens? Well, we sin. That's, that's what happens. Uh, sin is a rejection of God. Now, let me clarify something. When we go to the, because I, I said, you know, in a way, when they asked for a king, it was a rejection of God. But let me clarify something. When we go to the voting booths to vote for a man, we are not rejecting God by doing so. By voting, you're simply acknowledging that 4,000 years ago, we asked for a king because we had gotten tired of governing ourselves. Don't ever let that slip by you. Every time you go to the polls and you choose whatever you know, person you're voting for, the reason for it, it is an acknowledgement that over 4,000 years ago, we asked for a king because we had gotten tired of governing, of being self-governed simply governing ourselves and doing the right thing. That's the reason. Now, it's interesting, this concept of being self-governing and how we don't like it. It's sort of interesting that as you read prophecy, especially concerning the United States of America. Now, in order to understand, you know, about, okay, what does the Bible say about the United States? You gotta identify the United States in biblical prophecy, and it would go, it's a, that's another story with Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, <clears throat> Joseph's two boys, but 
when, when you look at what the Bible says about the end time prophecy, it seems to indicate that we as a nation go into captivity. Now, there's only one reason God allows a nation to go into captivity, and that is because they refuse to govern themselves. And God looks at them and says, well, they're not going to govern themselves. I've got to send someone, another nation over them who will have power over them to make them govern themselves. You know, we forget that Israel in Jesus' day, were, they were occupied by Rome. So, you know, this, this, we have to understand this. What a great sin the unwillingness to govern ourselves is. And if we continue to go down that road, God will come along and say, okay, you're not willing to govern yourself. Here's another nation over you that will do it for you. Now, it is a shame that such a great nation of ours that was built on the concept of freedom and freedom is the ability, I mean, when you think about what freedom is, you are free to make the right choice, but you're also free to make the wrong choice. And true freedom is the freedom to make the right choice and doing so. There's always the two choices, good and evil, but true freedom is, it, that, that's what true freedom is. You have that choice to, to choose between the two. And we should never get weary of choosing between the two. Now, I want to talk a little bit about socialism because a couple, a couple of these candidates that are running for president are all about socialism. Socialism always leads to communism. On my Facebook, my personal Facebook page, I just look it up, David Freeman, I have a list of 80 failed socialist country, governments that failed. In other words, they thought it was a great idea. Yeah, socialism, that's, that's a great idea. Let's try it. And, and I have a list of 80 of them that has failed. Socialism always turns into communism. There's not a lot of difference between the two, by the way. Now, <clears throat> Hillary, be sure and check that out on Facebook because you need to get educated in this area and understand there are bukus of countries that have tried socialism and they failed miserably. Now, Hillary is a progressive, and that sort of means that, that you're gradually advancing towards socialism. Bernie, on the other hand, is just a socialist. He comes out and admits it. At least he's honest in that sense that he tells people that's what he believes in. But, you know, if either one of these clowns get into the White House, it will be the end of, America, of the America that we know and love that was built on freedom. You can just put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, it will be the end of the America that we all know and love if either one of these, get Hillary or Bernie, gets into the White House. Now, am I saying, okay, I'm a Donald Trump fan? I'm, look, I'm not for or against Donald Trump. I simply choose the lesser of two evils. I look at each candidate and I say, okay, this one's for socialism, which will ultimately lead to communism, and this one is not. So that's how I vote. I choose the lesser of two evils. Okay, well, let's pick up the rest of this story about Israel and how they wanted a king, a president, a leader over them. 1 Samuel 8 and verse 9 says, Now therefore hearken unto the voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that, that, that shall reign over them. Okay, God says, okay, you want a king over you, this is how your king's going to be. First uh, Samuel 8 and verse 11. And he, and, and he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. All right, let's take a look at it. 
He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. Now, what this is referring to is, in other words, your king is going to draft your sons and your daughters, and some of them are going to get killed in war. This is what this is talking about. Now, up until this point, they had depended on God for their protection. God would fight their battles for them. Now, the transition is made. They're going to depend on their king to fight their battles for them. So you see the loss of trust in God, the lack of trust in God. Before we had depended on God to win our battles, now we're going to depend on our own might, our own power, our, our own strength. We're going to depend on the king to fight our battles for us. 1 Samuel 8 and verse 14, And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olives, uh, olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Do you realize that you never really own anything because, you know, your property, your farm, your barns, your houses, or whatever, because if you don't pay your property taxes, they will take it away from you. So you never really own anything, even though your house has been paid for for 20 years and you're headed toward retirement. You know, if you don't pay your property tax, all that can be taken away from you. So you never really own anything. All right, 1 Samuel 8 and verse 15, and he will take the tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give them to his officers and to his servants. Dropping down to verse 17, he will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. You shall be his servants. Now, okay, that was, I think that was a 20% there. Now, today the government takes in taxes about 35, the average is about 35% of your income goes to the taxes or to the government. Now, if Bernie Sanders gets in, because he's a socialist and all about giving stuff away, 60% of your income will go to taxes. In other words, every $100 you make, $60 of it will go to taxes in order to pay for all this free stuff that he's promising. Free college, free this, free that. I mean, the government doesn't have any money. The government cannot give you anything that it does not take from someone else. The government does not have a money tree. So, this is what, now, now do you want 60% of your income going to taxes? Well, if you do, vote for Bernie. Okay, 1 Samuel 8 and verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refuse to obey the voice of Samuel, and they say, nay, but we will have a king over us. Oh dear, we've just, you know, they just got tired of the discipline it takes to govern themselves. And that's why they wanted a king over them. Notice verse 20, that we also might be like all the other nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now that's an interesting statement there. They wanted the king to fight their battles for them. They were no longer willing to fight for the right to be a free people. They wanted the king to do this for them. You know, history repeats itself, and those who do not learn the lesson of history are bound to repeat them. So we're dealing with the question, who would Jesus vote for? You know, I mentioned that Jesus is all about government. Jesus is a king that is going to rule with a rod of iron. But the question we must ask is, what government, what kingdom is Jesus all about? Is he about man's government? 
Would Jesus get behind any of the presidential candidates that are out there? Would Jesus hold up a Donald Trump sign or a Hillary sign or put Hillary signs in his yard or whatever? You know, well, of course not. Of course not. Jesus is about his own government. The votes have already come in. Christ Jesus will be the next president at his return of the whole world. So Jesus is about his own government that has absolutely nothing to do with man's government. You know, most Christians' values are not even in line with Jesus Christ. You would be amazed at the people sitting beside you in church who are pro-choice, who believe in abortion. You would be amazed at the people in your church sitting beside you who think gay marriage is not that bad of a thing. They're sort of for it. They don't tell you that, but that's what's going on in their pea brain mind. You would be amazed at the Christian people sitting beside you in church who think socialism is a good thing. They're that ignorant, okay? You would be amazed at the people sitting beside you in church who voted for Obama, you know, an apologist for the Muslim community. Yeah, we'll vote for him. That's a good man right there. Uh, you would be amazed. You know, you know, my point is it's man's government and God's not in it is what I'm saying. When you go to the voting booths, you got to realize it's about man's government. It's not about choosing a preacher. It's, not, it's nothing like that. You're just simply choosing the lesser of two evils. This election will come down to two choices. Only two choices. It's about two choices. One, we will either hold on to the America that we all know and love, or the other choice, we will give up our freedom for socialism, which always turns, socialism always turns into communism. That's our choice. God is just giving us enough rope to hang ourselves. He's looking down from heaven and saying, okay, let's see which way they're going to go. Will they choose to a socialistic communist form of government? Or will they hold on to the America that was built on freedom, self-governing, that we all know and love? It's our choice. It is our choice, and God's just waiting to see what we're going to do. So who would Jesus vote for? Well, let's take a look at this little statement that Jesus made. Jesus answered, I think this was to Pilate, I think. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. This was when he was asked about, are you a king? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be del delivered unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. This is a fascinating concept here. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not about this world's government. Hey, if my kingdom was of this world, then we, we would fight. We would go out and get the vote out. We would hold up our banners and try to get the right man in the White House. But my kingdom, my kingdom is not about this world. Christ's kingdom, Christ's government that is coming to this earth at his return has nothing to do with this world's educational system. I mean, look at our educational system. We can't even determine gender, what our gender is. How would Christ handle gender identity? He would say, pull your pants, pants down. You got a penis or a vagina. End of discussion. That's how he would handle it. Our, you know, Christ's kingdom that is coming to this earth at his return has nothing to do with this world's government. Our government is totally corrupted. Christ's kingdom that is coming to this earth has nothing to do with this world's entertainment. Excuse me. This world's entertainment. Our entertainment is totally corrupted. Christ's kingdom that is coming to this earth has nothing to do with this world's religion. Our religious uh, platform is totally confused about everything nearly. 
You know, most would-be Christians are going to get their shock of their life when Christ returns at just exactly what that government and how Christ is going to rule with a rod of iron. They're going to get the shock of their life because they've never been told about it, what it's like and what it's going to be like. They know nothing about the soon coming kingdom of God that's going to be on this earth. So I'm dealing with, well, okay, how would Jesus vote? Well, to understand that, we must ask who is really in control of this world? Look at Luke 4 and verse 5. And the devil takes him up into a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Everything, all the empires that were out there that existed in Jesus' day. Satan says, look at it all. Look at it all. And the devil said to him, all this power I will give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will, I will give it. Satan is saying, look, I'll give this stuff to you, all the kingdoms of the world. If you therefore will worship me, all shall be yours. Now, what's interesting about this little passage is that Jesus did not refute the statement. Jesus didn't say, what do you mean, Satan? How are you going to give this? It's not yours. This is my father's world. No, he didn't say that. He did not refute that Satan was the owner of this evil, rotten, diabolical, sin-sick world that is going on, that mankind has made it. Not that creation is bad, but we have made our society, our government, downright a stench in the nostrils of God. God has allowed Satan, the God of this world, to influence our government, our religion, our entertainment, our educational system. Now, if you can't see that, it's because you're a part of the system. Like I said, you'd be amazed at people sitting in church beside you who are pro-choice for gay marriage and believe socialism is a good thing. Now, I didn't say you couldn't be religious. Anybody can be religious. Going to church just means you like going to church. That's all that means. It doesn't mean anything that you have a relationship with God. It just means you like going to church. You know, I'm amazed at how society dictates people's morality. If it's going on in society, it must be right. That's how people look at it. So who would Jesus vote for? The answer is none of these. None of them. He wouldn't vote for any of them. Now, does this mean that you shouldn't vote? Well, no, I'm not saying that at all. You should always vote your morality, your conscience. You should do it for your children's sake. Look, it's man's government. That's all it is. It's just man-made government. And yes, because you're a man, because you're a human being, you should always vote your conscience for your children, because your children are the ones that are going to have to suffer through this. If we turn into a socialistic, communist government, your children are going to have to suffer through that. So yes, you should always vote your conscience. But your only choice is the lesser of two evils. And a lot of Christians in their mind says, oh, I can't do that. I can't choose the lesser of two evils. That would be evil. I got to have a godly man in the White House. Listen, there has never been a president in the White House in whom dwelled the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying the Spirit of God hasn't led decisions that have been made by men in power. Yes, the Spirit of God has done that. But I'm talking about a true Christian in whom dwells the Spirit of God. We've never had a leader like that. A true Christian in whom dwells the Spirit of God would never vote and run for president. Why? Because he would know it's not God's timing and it's not God's world. He would understand whose world it really is. Satan is the God of this world and he would realize no matter what I put forward, it's going to be rejected. And besides, why would God give us something that we don't want as a nation? 
We don't want a Christian in the White House. Don't you understand that? Every candidate that has ran on that platform of being a Christian has been flat out rejected. We don't want a Christian in the White House, so why would God give us a Christian leader in the White House? Can you answer that question? Well, he wouldn't. Now, I want to talk to you about Christ's kingdom that is coming to this earth at his return. You see, God has an agenda. God is not concerned about man's futile government. Really, I mean, he's not that concerned about it. He's just giving us enough rope to hang ourselves. He's seeing if we will stick to the America that we all know and love or if we will go turn into a socialistic, communist government. He's waiting to see what decision we will make. But God's not that concerned about our futile uh, aspirations and decisions that, that people make concerning government. You know, Isaiah will say, behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket. You know, it means absolutely nothing. Now, let's take a look at this kingdom of God that's coming to this earth. Revelation 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This is the moment. Notice it says, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Christ, for the last 2,000 years, has been calling out his cabinet members that will rule alongside him at his return. That's what has been going on for the past 2,000 years. Just like a president chooses his cabinet members, Christ has been choosing his cabinet members. That's his agenda. That's his government. These cabinet members, the elect of God, are going to reign with Christ at his return. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 2 says, Do you not know the saints shall judge the world? How do you understand that? Do you understand that? Oh, oh Christian retirement. We're going we're gonna to retire in heaven. You know, there's a cabin in the sky, so be careful when you step out the door. We're going to sit around and do nothing for all eternity. No, this verse says the saints shall judge the world. The saints are people who are sick and tired of the sin-sick world. The corruption, the educational system, the ungodly entertainment, the religious deception, and the corruption in government. They are fed up with it. That's who the saints are. Now, a lot of you would say, well, I could never be an elect of God. God would never choose me to rule with, with Christ at his return. Well, let me, let me clarify something here. One of the things that will qualify you, yes, you have to be called of God, but one of, the th one of the things that can qualify you to be there is this. Are you teachable right now? Are you teachable? Most Christians are not teachable. They already know it all. I'm saved, sanctified, and heaven bound, okay? They already know it all. But if you are teachable, I don't care if you're a teenager or if you're 80 years old, if you are teachable, I want to offer you something here coming uh, entitled The Coming Utopia. Uh, your part in this coming utopia that's coming to this earth, the kingdom of God. Uh, training future leaders, you need this. And also, man's God's destiny child. You need this information. It's free of charge. Not going to sell your name to a mailing list. Order this. You were born for an all-inspiring purpose. And it's time you found out what that purpose is. I'm David Freeman. And remember, that's what's really in your Bible. The Bible reveals that we were born for a tremendous, awe-inspiring purpose. But few really understand what that purpose is. 
What God is doing through mankind is revealed at the very beginning of your Bible. Let us create man in our image and after our likeness. To fully understand God's glorious purpose for mankind, order your free copy of Man, God's Destiny Child. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.